Hi, this is Lisa Henderson, your host for Daring Parenting, and we're this is the second podcast in a series of Black Lives Matter, subtext, white privilege. I would like to introduce my guest today, Alicia Graves. She has been kind enough to offer to enlighten me and uh, the audience with her perception and her explanation about Black Lives Matter and what really is white privilege. So today, what is the thing about the Black Lives Matter movement that, number one, speaks to you the most? Our lives matter, too the rights that's supposed to be for everyone are the rights that we should have too. It's like equality. If you're going to give somebody white the benefit of the doubt on the positive side, give me the black the benefit of the doubt on the positive side until I show you otherwise. And with the Black Lives Matter movement, with this rise as well as the previous one, what, four or five, six years ago, is that it was all ignited because of a tragic incident. Mm-hmm. And it was because of someone died with the previous one, but it was it was because of that. So as our lives matter matter too with police brutality, and then it goes further than that. Even systematic racism, um, the little things that we have to either deal with or the opinion that is put upon us just because of the color of our skin. Either you're not smart. Mm-hmm. Or even the texture of your hair. You got to assimilate. You have to talk a certain way. You have to, and assimilation for us is that you have to straighten your hair. Ah. You have to straighten your hair. You can't, and, and, you, and, and even with the last few years what, that uh, Blacks are going more natural, you're getting pushed back from that that you see in the press. So you can't be the natural you. Because it's not, not white enough? Because it's not white enough. It's not white enough. Or I'm not sure if it's white enough, but I don't understand why you, white person, you have a problem with my hair being kinky. Or maybe it's with dress. They think it's kind of a militant thing. You know, that, that I don't know. But I do know that that's an issue for some people. Even when, even when I was going natural, it's, it's a journey that, that people automatically think back then, and I went natural in 2002, is that with natural hair or dreads, people perceive you as being militant. Mm-hmm. Or, and so I had to get over that thing because I didn't want people to think I was that. Obviously, I got over it. But the fact that I had to think that way, think about having my natural hair texture, you know, it's small things like that mm-hmm. that white people don't necessarily have to think about. Plus, honestly, kinky hair hair and having brown skin, because I can't do anything about my brown skin. Well, and this is where we get into, and I'm studying the book. I'm in a book club for the White Fragility book. And Mm -hmm. this is one white privilege that I never thought about. Mm -hmm. I never had to think about my hair. I mean, I have straight, fine hair, so I wish my hair were curly. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. I never thought, oh, I really, I want those dreads. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's not true. I have one. <laughs> okay, but I, I'm, a, I'm a different kettle of fish here. So, But us straightening our hair is because in slavery, well, of course, you have to kink your hair. And those children who were a product of the slave master raping the slave, you have yeah. biracial children. Then you have fair skin and possibly straight hair. Those get favoritism. So for those who don't have that, 
okay, so this is what I need to do so I can show, have some type of favoritism or some to be looked on positively. So now I have to straighten my hair. Notice a lot, even now, notice a lot of the, some are going more natural now, but before, just think about it, the last couple of years, even the newscasters that you see, they have straight hair. Uh-huh, or wigs. A or wig. wigs. And it's because of that. Help us white folk <laughs> understand why saying all lives matter is offensive. Because I'm having the worst time trying to explain this to my white friends. The number one thing um, that's offensive about it is that to us, it discounts the fact that there are certain things that are happening to Black people. You know, we're not saying that our lives are the only lives that matter. We're not saying that. And I think when white people hear that, they think, well, you're showing favoritism over your race, over mine. And, and that's not the truth. It's just that at this point in time, especially with the events that have happened, at this point in time, it just, it just shows that those who are Black are not being treated fairly. So that's really what it's calling attention to. It's not saying Asians don't matter, whites don't matter. You know what it reminded me of when I was a little kid? On Mm -hmm. Mother's Day, I would say, why don't we have a kid's day? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And my mother said, because every day is kid's day. And I think it feels the same way. Every day is white day. It's assumed all white lives matter. That's why we have to call attention to Black Lives Matter, because mm-hmm. the assumption is already there. Mm-hmm. It rings true. I, I was looking for this post, a friend of mine, she's white, she has biracial kids. She had talking about an incident when she was in the car with a boyfriend that she was stopped by the police and the police asking, is she okay? And the only reason why they stopped is because she's in the car with a Black man and they're trying to make sure that she's okay. And she stated, not saying white privilege exists doesn't mean that you've had an easy life or had money, didn't work hard for what you have, etc. It's saying that you are not constantly judged every day of your life for the color of your skin. Yes. So because I think when people say all lives matter, you know, they say, well, you know, I, a white, or, uh, even using the word white privilege, my life isn't privileged. You know, I, I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have this, that, any other. It's, it's not about that. Right. And I've heard people say, I've worked hard all my life. You must not have worked a day in your life when I've talked about white privilege. And I said that that is not the point. Socioeconomic privilege is a whole nother conversation. But you can take the most poverty-stricken white person and put them with a black person, and you're right. They will automatically be seen more favorably, and they've done all these experiments with little children. And I read an interesting one. I think it was in the White Fragility book. They took kids that were younger, like five and six years old, and they took an older group. The younger group displayed obvious racism. But the older group was a little more savvy about it, like they weren't so overt. So they learned in those five years or four years how to couch things a little bit better. Did your parents ever sit you down and say, this is how you need to behave with the police, for example, or out in public? 
like so that you're not thought of in a negative light? You know what the thing is, is that they talked about it, but even though in their mind, especially we didn't, we didn't have the sit down conversation of, you know, be careful in the car, you're going to be pulled over or things. We didn't have that conversation. It became a way of life. And it was because of that. So you could be recognized well in public. And that is, you know, how you dress, how you present yourself. When you think about going to church on Sunday and our Sunday blessed so we can look nice, it's, it's a mm-hmm. way of uplifting yourself as well as if I am out because I am Black, so it can kind of help compensate for that, that I'm dressed well. So that you're judged so, better. So you're judged better. So like I said, it wasn't actually a sit-down conversation, say, okay, dress like this. No, it just became a way that you talk that you need to dress this way. And so then you learn later, okay, well, that is why. Why can't, why the white guy can go in and have on shorts, flip flops and a (laughs) t-shirt, you know, and I have to have on just dress shirt, slacks and shoes. (laughs) So yeah, those things were taught, but it was in a sit down conversation. Alicia Graves, thank you as always for a great show. Daring Parenting is going to continue. It will be our third in the series coming up. And we're going to be talking to Alicia about what is it that scares white people so much about the Black Lives Matter movement. If you'd like to learn more about Daring Parenting, you can go to our website, daringparenting.com. If you've got any questions or comments, feel free to drop me an email, lisa at daringparenting.com. Thanks again for joining us for this edition of Daring Parenting in the series Black Lives Matter.